We're live. Welcome, Hello, welcome. Everyone. Hi. Welcome, Hello. everybody, to Strong Tea. Uh, we're very, very lucky to have our first man guest today. Very lucky indeed. Yes, you. Um, and I'll let Vicky do the intro in just a second. But if you haven't joined us before for Strong Tea, um, we are basically, as Vicky and myself, um, it was born out of love of talking um, incessantly about just about anything. Um, and we have a lot of passions. And we have one of those passions is actually trying to educate ourselves to learn more about probably the topics that people find difficult to talk about um things that are slightly taboo and things that people shy away from so we joined together and we now speak with each other for quick brews and we now speak with guests for strong tea so here we are today strong tea and i'm going to hand over to vicky by the way i'm katie and uh, <laughs> before anyone forgets that um, i'm going to hand over to vicky to introduce our guest today was that for everyone else's benefit or in the case that you forget who you are because you know, it's both it's both yeah um, hi everyone. Yeah, today we are so lucky. As Katie said, we got our first male guest, and it's Alex Beavis, who's the head of Complete Lifestyle Academy. Uh, he's a former British and European powerlifting champion. He's a mentor. He's a coach. He's an all-round fantastic human, um, and he has joined us today to talk about men's mental health, body transformation, social pressure, and to be honest, when I had a pre-chat with Alex the conversation just went into multiple directions and it was fascinating so I cannot wait to actually get dive in and get into Alex's brain and just ask him loads of questions and get this episode going so hello Alex hello nice and to be here again lovely and we ask all our guests what are you drinking well now I felt like a bit of a fraud coming on to a podcast fantastically titled a strong tea <clears throat> having never really well I've never drunk a full cup of tea and like said, yeah yeah I know I know I know <laughs> I tried it and I didn't buy into it so I wanted to be part of your gang so I am actually drinking out of two mugs and for the microphone's effect there you go um, oh, double parked that <clears throat> is not just any squash that is peach flavored squash Going posh, going posh, like it, like it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure your um your listeners, if they if they go onto my Instagram or if they ever get to see a picture of me, they realise quite how posh I am, <laughs> <laughs> or not. Oh, brilliant! And Katie, what are you drinking today, my lovely? Well, I've gone for a herbal one today, um, and I brought the pot along. This is Shibui leaf tea, and it's African winter. Oh. And it smells a bit smoky and a bit chocolatey and it's cinnamon and ginger and cardamom and stuff. Every time I make it, my husband says it smells like a, a Swedish sauna. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah I don't go nice. around smelling people in saunas very often. No, not people in saunas, just saunas. Oh, okay. The wood smell. Gotcha. gotcha. I sweat. I, it sounds really weird now I've said it. Yeah, if you forget I said that yeah move on what are you drinking <laughs> edit <laughs> um I've gone with my usual favorite Yorkshire tea but I've gone for the toast and jam flavor and how is it it's lush yeah it? thank you so much Kaz previous guest previous episode recommend it's lovely yeah really happy with well, it to be honest so. listening to you two talk about <clears throat> your connoisseuring tea drinking <laughs> that I I didn't I thought you know what I've heard of chamomile I've heard of builder's tea um i mean shibui wow that sounds um yeah that's the brand and they're a little company up in scotland and they make all their own teas and it's yeah it's game changer yeah really is it's all about education on strong tea yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) a tea education (laughs) right well uh, before we talk about tea all day um welcome alex and uh we best get cracking so tell us your story tell us your journey well, I mean, um, I don't know which one of you, in, uh, it was Vicky, wasn't it, that's, that introduced me. Um, and uh, she said that I'm yep, the head of the Complete Lifestyle Academy. So uh, that is um, initially, it's a 90 day transformation business, um, taking people from various levels of uh, their health and fitness, their body shape, um, right down through to their mindset um, and just generally leveling them up as a person. Uh, that business has been running for about a year, but I've been um, a personal trainer for, for 25 years. Um, <clears throat> and along that journey, I've 
you know, been in health club management as well as doing PT on the side and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I come, I originate from a little place called Maidstone in Kent. Uh, and I can see, you know, if, if your listeners aren't aware, we're doing this via Zoom <laughs> and it gets, the magic happens and it gets put into Spotify. I don't know how that works. Some sort of <laughs> someone pressed it. Is magic. It is magic. Oh, it was yeah. magic, yeah. <laughs> um, but I can see... Vicky in the corner of my screen just smirking away because <laughs> I think it's only fair at this point we get this out in the open <laughs> Vicky has stalked me since 1998 <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, she's a super fan it's called a oh, super yeah. fan not a stalker oh yeah sorry a super fan yeah <laughs> um and yes so basically I was completely unaware because Vicky was at the same school that I was. Um, we were. Primary school, secondary school, the full shebang. Full works. Um, only, you know, obviously time changes us somewhat. Obviously for me, I've aged 100 years and Vicky not so much. Um, but yeah, so that's um, that's where I originate from. A very similar place to your uh, your host or one of your hosts. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've I literally I got into doing this, you know, literally from from leaving school at sixteen. Um, I wasn't particularly the most sportiest kid at school, and you know, um, I wasn't particularly the slimmest kid at school. I, you know, I certainly lived out of the school bakery, that was for sure. Um, but um, yeah, I've just always sort of gravitated to to helping other people in a real kind of way, and you know, hopefully that <clears throat> that message will come across to your to your listeners, and it will come across to you that I'm quite a well I like to think I'm normal I'm sure to some people I'll come across as rather abnormal but um but yeah I'll just do what I love and um it seems to work quite well and that's me so did you did you have an interest in sort of fitness and um health you know when you came out of school I'm trying to work out that transition how you went from not being the sportiest kid in school not being the slimmest to being like ultra power lifter Mr you know Muscles, gym, PT. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, pretty much, yes. At school, it was that was the thing I enjoyed doing. You know, I enjoyed doing the PE. I, I've got to be honest, I was never, you know, particularly fantastic at football. You know, I was picked for the team, but I was, you know, I was the left back in the changing room type of guy. You know, I wasn't brilliant. The only thing I was ever any good at was um, <clears throat> was was javelin, you know, just because I was, I suppose, just genetically, I could just throw stuff. <laughs> you know, just, it, all the men in my family were, were relatively kind of thick set. Um, and um, yeah, that was the only thing I was really any good at. But I just enjoyed it. Um, and I always kind of just wanted one day to be crowned that, you know, at school you get split up into, into like houses <laughs> and every summer you do a summer sports day and every winter you did a winter sports day. Well, I always fancied, oh, wouldn't it be nice if they just gave me the, you know, the captain of my, of my house. So I'd, I'd love that. <clears throat> and one year I got it and they, they gave it to me. I didn't ask for it. They gave it to me in the, in the winter. And um, so obviously I was the captain of the football for my house and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, I just, I just really just loved the whole team spirit, you know, the, the Nirvana-esque there. Um, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I know that I'd land with some people. Yeah, I got it. I got uh, it. <laughs> no, I got know. it. And I was like, oh, that's quite clever. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, when I, I got to the point where, you know, I wanted money. You know, I was 13, wanted money. So I became a paper boy, um, which I actually quite enjoyed. Um, and then yeah, when I got to about 14, um, I used to do a lot of swimming as a kid. But I, I think this basically comes back to, to my mother, who, as far as I'm aware, still cannot swim. Um, so I was very much pushed into swimming lessons um, from quite a young age, ended up going into things like galas I swam for uh, the leisure center you know uh, I then swam for the, the town I then swam for the county and she would take me on the bus at six in the morning to the leisure center to just literally she used to sit in the spectators gallery of a stopwatch and literally I'd do a hundred meter sprint get out walk over to the gallery she'd tell me what time I did and I'd go and repeat it and I'd do that over and over and over until I then had to get ready and go to school um so that it, you know swimming was was never really kind of went anywhere but it got me in the door 
at the leisure center. So when I was 14, um, back then, you used to be able to sort of take on a few hours work when you were, you know, paid work when you were that sort of age. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the job came up literally cleaning the changing rooms on a Saturday and Sunday after the footballers had been in. So I jumped at it and I was like, yeah, go on then, have some, it wasn't very much. I think my hourly rate was about £2.60 at the time, but I was like, boom, have some of that. You know, that was, uh, <laughs> that was much more than my £10 a week as a paper. I put the two together and I was rolling in it at 14. You know? <laughs> um, How many uh, credos anyway. that can buy? Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> <how many tweets? laughs> um, yeah, so I, I got in and then literally... Um, one thing led to another, you know, I, I as soon as I became 16, I became a, a lifeguard. Uh, I then started working in their um, kids soft play area. I then became the manager of this kids soft play area whilst I was getting all these other qualifications. And my advice to anybody, if you want to create a career in leisure, health and fitness, whatever it is, leisure centers are fantastic because if they see that you are wanting it, <clears throat> well, put it this way, my CV, by the time I even had left school was already three pages long of qualifications. They literally, I got basketball coaching, badminton, trampolining, British gymnastics, gym instructing, duh, 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 the list of archery for goodness sake, or you name it, everything. And they were just like, you know, these half day courses that got paid for. I got put on them and I just took it all. Um, and obviously the, you know, the coaching ability, I think was just pushed into me a very, very, early stage of, of my, well, I suppose childhood, really, I suppose really more sort of young adulthood. And I just loved it. <clears throat> I just love passing on knowledge and seeing people progress. You know, it's just so addictive. It's, you know, I suppose now on the other side of things, I look at it, it's exactly the same as bringing up your own child. You know, you're passing on these skills. All right, I pass on to my daughter skills about how to make tuna pasta bake. You know, it's not quite the same as, you know, how to take a penalty, but it's, you know, it's still coaching. It's key, anyway, it's key information. It is. It's a life skill. Taking yeah. a penalty is a life skill. <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, it literally just kind of went from there. Um, so yeah, there was an interest and then it just kind of escalated. The gym instructor then became, um, I went and put myself through uh, the personal trainer course, came out from being a personal trainer. <clears throat> and then obviously just, Whilst I was spinning plates, I was doing management qualifications in, in leisure, um, whilst getting more qualifications in personal training, specialising in, I specialised in pre and postnatal, I specialised in back pain, diabetes, arthritis, all of these things. I was just, just, was, just couldn't get enough information um, to be able to then use for myself uh, and on a selfish note, but then also to be able to just it's so great I think when someone comes along and says oh you know I've got this problem you've probably not really heard of it well actually I have um and I can help you with it <clears throat> so um so yeah I've probably gone off on one there haven't I uh, could have just no asked. not at all I mean the, the whole um ethos of you supporting people and nurturing people so you know you support them through their own transformational journey as you said that's kind of what you yeah. do you have a quite an intense transformational package that, that people mm -hmm. go through so as you said, with the psychological as well as the physical, their mental health must feature quite highly with, with clients. Yeah, um, yeah. And you give them help with that. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think anyone that's ever had personal training, um, and just to be clear, that, that is what I did do for 25 years. It is not what I do anymore. Now it is on a, on a, on a completely another plane. Um, if you've had personal training for a while and you've had a personal trainer that's got a personality um, and you actually build a relationship with that person, you end up doing literally what you two do. And you end up literally doing this, this chat uh, in between sets, in between reps, whilst you're out on a walk, on a run or, or whatever. And people tell me their deepest, darkest secrets. Mm. You know, they really do, honestly. One day, one day, I will put these down on paper because you, with, with anonymous names, um, <laughs> because some of the things we get told um, and confided in is amazing. So in all honesty, I would, I would, with some people, I would go, I am 99% a therapist and 1%, you know, there to help them with their physique. Um, and that's happening more frequently that people, you know, are, needing more help discovering who they are as a person uh discovering how to um control 
their emotions, how to box it when it needs to be boxed and when to undo the box and let them out when they want to let it out. And um, yeah, so that that is an absolutely gigantic part of my um, of of what, what my role was as a personal trainer. Even even now, I work with people. We work with people in nineteen countries across the world, um, and we're here now in what March two thousand and twenty two, and that's you know going to going to grow. <clears throat> so I'm talking to people that I've never met in a completely different time zone, um, and we've met in the capacity that we're meeting now through a through a small screen, and. Uh, it's just absolutely fantastic to be able to reach out and have an impact mm. on somebody's life that they build a trust in you to be able to do that, you know? And mm. I think that's the same on any level. When someone builds trust in you to confide in you and to look at you as some level of role model is um, quite overwhelming sometimes, you yeah. know? It's, it's, uh, it certainly fuels the passion to continue to do what I do it's quite a privileged position isn't absolutely. it absolutely that's probably yeah. the word that I was looking for to summarize that so thanks for that I'll write that sorry. down <laughs> I, think I know I, what you mean because sorry with the coaching and so on you end up feeling quite selfish because their gains and their light bulb moments and their breakthroughs you celebrate as well so it feels almost quite a selfish career because you're getting as much joy out of it as, as yeah I suppose you know I've never really <clears throat> sat back and looked at it like that <clears throat> excuse me I need to drink some of my peach, peach squash. <laughs> excuse me right um yeah it, it you're absolutely right and um every so often I do just get these moments where I'm just sat back I get up ridiculously early in the morning okay my well I'm sure you asked me about my routine later on but <clears throat> my wife comes down in the mornings and I've been up for multiple hours already and she'll come down about uh 20 past six something like that in the morning and there's me wide awake and buzzing you know literally just absolutely flying and uh I say to her oh what a fantastic morning I've had and she's looking at her watch she's like 20 past six you insane man and uh I woke up um and to give you an example Monday just gone I woke up to 11 messages on my phone right and sometimes I used to get I still do get, I suppose. You see 11 and you think, well, some of those have got to be bad. Some of those are people complaining or that they're not getting the results or they can't access this thing online they need to access or, you know, something's got in the way and they need to leave the programme or whatever. And this particular day, I opened up the messages. Every single one of them had two words in them, which hit me so right there in the chest. Thank you. And um, it was just amazing. Someone said, I've, I've, I've been in the programme two weeks. I've done 12 and a half pounds. Um, someone said, um, this was Monday morning. He said, um, it's really late on a Sunday night. He messaged me and he goes, oh, I'm really, uh, really pissed off, mate. It was a voice note. He goes, I'm really pissed off. And I was like, oh, God, what's he going to say? And he was like, ah, only joking, he said uh, on this voice note. He goes, I've had to go and spend today £17.99. And he's really going off. He's in his mid to late 60s, this guy. He's from Croydon, and he's just got this really thick Southeast London accent. And um, he'd had to go and buy a new belt because he'd gone all the way to the end of the belt. He'd even been punching new holes in it. And he said, his wife said he looks ridiculous. If anyone remembers last of the summer wine, she said, you look like Pemba. Yeah, Pemba, yeah? <laughs> remember that. And, um, <laughs> and the thing, funny thing is he does look a bit like Pemba. He's got that kind of white sort of stubble and all the rest of it. And it was just message after message. And I just sat here right where I am right now, looking at all these messages with just this big fat grin on my face. And it's just moments like that that, you know, I think so many of us have employment and <clears throat> sometimes find it very difficult to look at the positive things that are the employment provides or even that the employment is in its own right. You know, even if you're doing uh, what might be perceived as, as an as a unpleasant job, unblocking toilets, whatever it might be, that there's still pride to be taken from that. And I'm just very lucky that I think that I've managed to make some choices early on that have led me down a certain path to what I'm doing now and it's just amazing and you know I will share this uh, the link to your um, to your channel with my customers so if any of them are listening 
this is me talking about you guys saying <laughs> thank you on a, on a different scale. So, yeah, I don't even remember what your question was. This is what I'm like. <laughs> pick me pick me um, <laughs> um we talked initially before about um mental health now i don't know what your split is between male and female and i'll come on to talking about actual physical um expectations and understandings over the years but re- with regards to mental health do mm. you feel like you've obviously been doing this for a long long time um obviously you went from pt now into doing the body transformation things what you're doing now do you feel like it's changed in terms of men sharing more about how they feel and about you know how they feel emotionally how they feel about their bodies the pressures that they feel are on them um i suppose really i could answer this question and give you probably 10 different answers um and i think (laughs) yeah i love the smirk he's like oh god here we go (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you do know it's getting dark <laughs> um do you know what initially when you were asking that question i was it was i was really going through thinking of all these different people that i've worked with over the years and 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 given some examples and i suppose really i think the obvious answer that most people would expect is <clears throat> yeah it has changed and 25 years ago men were men you know, and uh, they kept their feelings to themselves. <clears throat> and I suppose if we were to look at that zooming out on a mass scale, that would be accurate. Um, but what I would say from my perspective is that everybody opens up. It's just asking the right questions to give them the confidence to be able to tell you what's really on their mind. And I think over the years, yes, okay, maybe people have changed, but also my skill set, my ears are now more finely tuned to, and my eyes are more finely tuned to people's body language of, and being able to kind of be a little bit more assumptive, maybe rightfully, maybe wrongfully, uh, of what it is they're actually thinking. Um, so, you know, I, I remember, you know, talking to men sort of 20, 25 years ago um, and getting a completely shut door. Um, but I also remember talking to men that did open up when the relationship got to that particular point. But yeah, I would, I would agree with you though, zooming out and looking at things in a broader picture over the years, I suppose, yes, men have become more open about talking about things. Um, Like I said, you know, in my business, for, for me to be that good coach, I have to tell people what they need to hear, not always what they want to hear. And, Likewise, it's to get the information from them. Um, it normally starts with people just feeding me utter. Now, I, I did say to Vicky on our little pre-chat yesterday that I would do my best not to swear. So, um, but I did also kind of let myself in for this when I did say at the beginning that I'm a real coach. I talk real language, but I'm going to now stop the words I was about to say. <laughs> and I'm going to abbreviate by calling it BS. So you can probably read into that. <laughs> I don't mean butternut squash. Uh, so, yeah, people would <clears throat> feed me BS. So the typical man thing would be, especially when there's a male personal trainer. At the time, obviously, I was a fair bit younger than some of these guys. And they would be um, lifting weights. And you could see their body was shaking with intensity. But their face would be trying to stay relaxed. You know, they'd be running on a treadmill, but they'd be trying to talk like they weren't out of breath. Like they were supposed to be impressing me as where now... I don't think men are quite like that as much. There's still a lot of people like it, but there's still a lot of people that you can press the right buttons and get them to talk. I, I suppose that leads on to same question really, but in a physical sense, you know, over the years, and this is something that Vicky and I talk about quite frequently is about the uh, expectations of females and on the female body, you know, women should look a certain way. And there are brands which are, you know, doing their best, like Dove and, you know, all that time to try and level it out, really, to make all women feel accepted. But you have still got all your size four models that are super skinny and ultra perfect and that. It hasn't really been that way for men 
for many, many years. And I guess what I'm trying to work out from you is, you know, do you feel like it's changed the expectation level of men? And do you think it's ever going to go to a point where it's on par with women? Because one thing Vicky and I were talking about is the dad bod. When when Leonardo DiCaprio was on the beach, he's got a bit of a tummy. Everyone's like, oh my God, dad bod, how hot is Leo? Now it became a thing, you know, you get all of these guys out mm. with their dad bods and it, it became this sort of status symbol where women were like, oh yeah, dad bod is hot. You know, but women, if you were to say a mum bod, it brings up all these connotations of, you know, sagginess. Vicky said saggy boobs earlier, you know, stretch marks, tiredness, and, and it's not got the same connotations. And I think that's really unfair because actually what women go through to become a mum is actually incredible what the female body does. I've gone off on a tangent now, but I guess what I'm trying to work out from you is what you've seen over the years in terms of the way the media portrays it, the way that your clients approach you and say, you know, I'm not comfortable looking like this. I want to be a size four. Or do they come to you saying, I'm just not comfortable and it doesn't matter what I weigh. Or what, you know, I just want to feel comfortable with where I look or I want to look like so-and-so. You know, how's that changed over the years? And, you know, have you have you seen a difference in the way people approach you about it? Really yeah, you know, I think that's a really, really good, um, good question. And um, the media, I mean, I encourage, and you, you know, if you read through any of my sort of social media videos and we don't we don't read videos do you um well no, i suppose you read my captions there's another tangent sorry um <clears throat> um the media i encourage people to just get it out of your life the media controls your thoughts you know and, and this isn't a tangent there's a point to this right um i'm a massive x factor fan right I'm the biggest X Factor fan. I'm surprised Simon Cowell hasn't reached out and asked me if I'll be a judge. Um, a bit offended, <laughs> to be fair. Simon, if you're listening, sort it out. Give me a shot. <clears throat> um, but um, I was watching that one day. And there's a point to this, I promise you. And there was nothing in my head. In ter- it was empty. I was just watching the auditions. Adverts came on and the adverts effectively said to me, Alex, tapping on the screen, you probably want a packet of Rolos, mate, don't you? Why are you going to get yourself a packet of Rolos? Right, I could think he's like, What are you talking about? Right, and I was like, I could get some Rolos, and I, if I'm quick, I can get to and throw the corner shot back in time for the adverts to finish. On my trainers, on my coat, whoosh, back I came again out of breath as I'm taken out, and it, the, the program starts again. And then I stopped after the program at the empty packet of Rolos, and I thought, well, I didn't even want these anyway. My point being is that the media dictate how you think dictate how you feel, they manipulate us and they know they're doing it. <clears throat> and in all honesty, I think we're a little bit naive if we disagree with that. Now, that might be me coming across a little bit opinionated. Um, the, don't get me wrong, the media also provides us with some facts. But the media also, if we remember back, David Beckham, right, didn't really catch on, but he treated himself to a sarong. Remember that? yeah. All of a sudden, you walk down the high street, oh, another man is, oh, another man is sarong, they're everywhere, right? He goes and gets himself a Mohican, all of a sudden, everyone's rocking out a Mohican. He goes and shaves his head, and everyone goes and copies. And, you know, it's the same with women. And in fact, with women, if anything, I would say that I've got probably some more poignant examples to give in the fact that you said about, um, Katie, you said about um, women saying, I want to be a size four, or I just want to be happy in the skin that I'm in. Well, you know, I get people coming to me um, just to make a point. I, generally speaking, don't work with vanity as a, an initial forefacing goal. Uh, that's something that is a secondary or even a third, fourth, fifth thing on the list. It's more about the happiness and the quality of life and mindset I want to work with. Um, people come to me and they say, I want to keep my curves, but I want a bigger bum. Now, Kardashians. I was just about to say, tell me who it is that's put that out there. Yes, yeah. Kardashians. Now, if we write, rewind time before the Kardashians became out on the scene, it was all about the J-Lo bum. Yeah. And before the J-Lo thing came out, it was, I want to be like Kate Moss. 
And we could continue going back in time, looking at these kind of figureheads in history as to what people aspire to be like. So you can see now what I'm saying about the Rolos, right? Mm. The TV told me I wanted Rolos. The TV told X, Y, and Z, you want to have an ass like this, mm. um, you know, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, people's kind of goals have changed over the years. Um, for example, for men, if you were to look back through the front cover of Men's Health magazine, uh, which is the typical kind of thing that generally when men join the program, what we're kind of leaning towards as the ultimate goal, generally speaking, is that. Why? Because it's in every news agent, every petrol station, you know, if you follow anything to do with the social media algorithms, these kind of things are going to be pushed in your face all the time. Um, but if you actually go back into the 90s, you'll see people like Jay Cutler on the front cover of Ben's Health magazine. He was four times Mr. Olympia. So he's massive. Um, guys in the gym then were wearing sweatbands, wrist sweatbands and a muscle vest. And it was all about being big. And when you talk to women that were probably in their 30s and 40s in the 90s, that's what they found attractive. Um, so you can see where I'm going with this is probably back in the early noughties, Jason Statham was on the front page, uh, the front cover of Men's Health. And Katie, oh, if the listeners could see your face. <laughs> Down, girl. <laughs> so, um, who was it? Hang on, though. I listened to one of your podcasts the other day, and I'm pretty sure Vicky had a similar reaction to Keanu, didn't you? Oh, God, he's just an angel. Okay, well, I think Sorry. we are now going off. Even on Constantine, that. wasn't he? He was a literal angel in Constantine. Yeah, I have seen that film, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, you. Sorry, Statham, you were talking about. You carry on. That's fine. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So Jason Statham became the front cover of Men's Health magazine multiple times, I believe. And then we've got our CrossFit athletes becoming front cover of Men's Health magazine. So the image that we are, dare I say, almost being dictated to as to what is attractive, you know, and we can we can unravel these onions and, and layer this as much as you want and even go as far as the Golf GTI back in the 1970s was square and small and everyone was like oh yeah that's the car i want and now what is it now it's bigger curvier you know so on and so forth you see what i mean so so yeah it's people... really deep yeah sorry interrupting because i'll forget it if i don't say it um but the whole you know the image that we're going for is because it's attractive do you yeah. think it's the connotations attached with masculine and feminine as well so if you've got a, an icon of Jason Statham, who's renowned for being an action hero and basically a walking stick of testosterone. So do you think it's kind <laughs> of those connotations attached to, you know, being masculine that people are aiming for? So it's almost less about the aesthetic. It's more the meaning of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let, let me let me answer this question by asking you a question. All right. So <clears throat> when you were growing up, mm -hmm. let's take you back to your... Um, Let's take you back to your sort of mid-teens, 14, 15, 16, something like that. Give me a film of a female heroine. Can you say, is that even the right word? You can't say heroine, can you? Anyway. I'll yeah, yeah hero. I'm, I'm, hero. I'm just thinking of the drug. Like, I don't know, I can't, I can't talk about that. But, um, but anyway, you can think back to your female hero of that kind of era. So we're looking, what, 95, 1995, 1996. Can you think of anybody? Uh, was the woman in, uh, I'm thinking Halle Berry Catwoman, was she a goodie? Because she looked hot yeah. in that catsuit. Right, well, whether she was a I'm goodie a or a baddie, right? Sorry. Um, I was going to say, I'm weird. I was going to go for Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs, but I'm a bit of a freak, so I don't <laughs> Yeah, okay, we'll go with Katie's one. Oh, that's going to blow you. Why were you going to say right out of the war and <laughs> keep quiet? I, I was expecting one of you to say... Um, the lady from Terminator, you know, Sarah. Oh, yes. Yeah, Sarah Connor. Sarah yes. Connor. Yes. But you see what I mean? You've got these iconic kind of images that are ingrained in your head. So when you were that kind of age, you you grew up wanting probably to be like that, you know, and probably if you were to wrap your brains and go, right, what fancy dress parties have I been to? What did I go as? You know, how many women have been to fancy dress parties as um, Catwoman? Well, it wasn't me because I look dreadful in a cat suit, but I did go once as a Robin, a female Robin from Batman and Robin. So I went as Lara Croft. 
there you go, Lara Croft, another perfect mm. example. You should have remembered that one. You see what I mean? So, so yeah, you know, I think that what you were saying about, you know, Jason Statham being like this, I love that analogy, walking stick of testosterone. Um, <laughs> that's going to be the head title of one of my posts this week. So, um, <laughs> Do you think that's more relevant for men, though? Because women, I I don't know how many women look at the Kardashians and go, she's really inspiring as a woman and I want to be like her generally. Whereas people might look at Statham and say, you know, he's really manly. He's, you know, he's really blokey. He's really successful in his career. He's got a beautiful wife, you know, and and he looks good. Kim Kardashian... I don't I don't know her I know what you're just gonna, gonna she just seems a little bit um go on vacuous and I don't know how many women maybe look at that and say oh my god I want to look like her just because of how she looks or because of how she comes across you know is she is she inspiring as a woman is she inspiring as a female I don't know personally she doesn't come across as my t- type of inspiring female Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that she's not to some people. I don't know. It, it seems yeah. different for men to women. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're getting at. I mean, um, I think that there's um, there's always going to be, regardless of the type of person in terms of inspiring of their achievements or what they stand for, their morals, and then obviously what they look like. <clears throat> you know, I would say that some people might find, okay, is gonna, I'm going to go extreme with this, <clears throat> might find the queen inspiring. But I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say, Katie, that I'm wondering if you actually aspire to look like a lady 50 years your senior. You probably don't, right? I, but, struggle, I struggle to look my own age at times. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> yeah. But you still will see an image of something. Yeah. That's, to me, that's attractive. That's what I'd like to be like. But yes, I mean, going back to the point I was making to Vicky about um, who did you look up to as a kid in the movies? I mean, certainly for me, you know, I grew up in a, I think in a fantastic era for action movies and stuff as a, as a boy, you know, we had Sylvester Stallone, <clears throat> we had Arnold Schwarzenegger and the list goes on and on and on. And you know what? I think as a man, yes, there is this kind of testosterone thing. You know, I got into boxing when I was seven um, and that was because I was watching, you know, Tyson fights, you know, I was watching all of these kind of things with, with my dad on the TV um, you know, and I think that what, you know, it goes back to, again, you know, there's there's reasons why kids start karate. Kids mm-hmm. are a blank canvas when they when they are born. They are just subject to things that they witness, hear, see, smell, taste that create the person who they become. Um, you know, and, you know, the reason that I most likely started boxing is because after one of the Tyson fights, when I was seven or eight or whatever, I'd probably be found shadow boxing in my room, you know, or pulling my boxer shorts up around my nipples or whatever to pretend I was, a, you know, we do, we make believe, we pretend, we, mm. we live out different lives in our imagination. And, you know, that happens all throughout life. Mm. So, so yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there's a massive number of reasons why um, we decide that we think some things are attractive and some things aren't, you know, um, Go on, you're going to say something. No, because I think this is an interesting segue. And I know in our pre-chat, we talked about um, your powerlifting, Mm. that part of your your career. And I was just wondering the impact of, you know, the the whole um, pressure on what you look like and the mental stuff behind that as well, in particular in that powerlifting well, because you were you went quite far. I mean, you were a British and European champion. I mean, that's that's no mean feat. No, I mean, when I... You know, I was, um, the, the leisure centre that I told you about <clears throat> earlier, um, that's kind of like the first gym I started using. And, um, you know, there's obviously there's dedication, there's hard work, and there's obviously a little bit of genetics there as well. And I just found, well, probably within the first year, I outgrew the gym. The dumbbells were no longer heavy enough. They didn't have enough weight. So I moved to a bigger gym. Um, and very quickly, well, I was all of a sudden gone from being a big fish in a little pond <clears throat> to being you know, a tadpole in a big pond um, and kept climbing the ladder. Um, What inspired me to work out in the first place? I don't know. I don't know, really. But um, I started off bodybuilding. So I started off being on stage in a pair of budgie smugglers with a spray tan, um, you know, giving it some on stage. And um, I suppose, really, 
if we were to really scratch the surface and dig deep, why was it that I wanted to look like that? You know, going right back to the initial thought of one day going, I want to do this. Probably, I don't know, I'm not saying this is the front of my mind, I'm just kind of spitballing. Probably was because, you know, I watched all the Rocky films and I saw him ripped and, you know, it wasn't because he was getting attention from ladies. I just looked at it and thought, that's who I want to be. Now, that might be the story of Rocky, where he came from nothing and built himself up to, 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 to achieve great things. Um, who knows? I, I couldn't tell you because it was so many years ago, but it certainly obviously stuck in my brain. And then obviously in kicked the whole self-improvement um, that, you know, with, with training with weights and dieting and whatnot to see your body grow in certain areas, to change in certain areas, to your waist to come in. And then obviously in come things like the comments that you get, positive and negative, you know, people accusing you of being on drugs, uh, steroids and whatnot. Um, and then the positive comments come and going, oh, I wish I was like you, so on and so forth. Then obviously you get on stage and you get rewarded with an applause at the very minimum or at the greatest, a trophy. And it then becomes quite addictive um, to the point where it was all of a sudden no longer about what people thought of me. It was what how I wanted to self-improve. Um, so obviously it was all about placing next year in a better position having better definition in my abs or my calves or my waist being smaller or blah, blah, blah. Um, getting into detail into the depths of my nutrition and how I could look a bit grainier or more defined or more vascular and changing my nutrition, changing my sleep pattern, so on and so forth. So that then kind of took a took over. In actual fact, when I looked my best was the time I felt most self-conscious because I knew I could, I, you could see it. You'd walk into a room and, you know, I haven't worn a vest, you know, even like a tank type vest sort of thing since I was 22 um, because I didn't like the attention. It was just, immense, you know, it was just too much for me. I didn't like it. Um, Which is so quite an odd thing to say because obviously you've got to have a certain amount of confidence to be able to stand up on a stage like those guys do when they're bodybuilding spray tanned all over in the tiniest pair of pants ever seen um and to in front of all those people and and it's quite interesting to hear you say actually I didn't I didn't like the attention I didn't and and, and also what you said about not wanting you know it changed from wanting what other people that's how you did it you did it because you wanted other people to look at you and you know you wanted to have that reaction whereas then you were like no actually I want to do it for myself it's interesting that transition. Yeah, and I think you'll find that's that's probably quite similar for most people that mm. go to that kind of level. It's not about other people. It's it's not. It's about you. <clears throat> it's about self improvement, um, and I believe that's human nature. Whether that's self improvement in how you look, or whether that's self improvement as whether you want to improve your curtains in the lounge. You know, everybody is always striving to achieve better. You know, um, but yeah, after the um, the bodybuilding side of things. Um, you know, I, I outgrew the next gym in terms of my strength and sort of realized, well, I've actually probably got something here. Maybe I should do something with it. And um, yeah, me and a friend, we we entered into our um, into our first powerlifting competition. We were in different weight classes. Uh, I didn't win my first one. <clears throat> um, I think I came about seventh, I think, out of about 30 odd people. So that was okay. You know, it was, it was all right. But that literally just drove this... <laughs> this this taste bud of blimey you know I did this without really knowing what I'm doing um and then it just really lit a fire under me that I wanted to improve more and this was no longer about what you looked like the diet was very very relaxed if you know any powerlifters most of them have got gut um certainly if they're um <clears throat> if they're over if they're not in the lightweight category um which I wasn't when I when I finished I was in the top category uh, I weighed 24 stone um, everyone's massive, massive, you know? Um, so the diet's brilliant, you know, you eat what you want. Um, <clears throat> so the image of it sort of changed again. It wasn't about having a six pack and veins running through my toes. You know, it, it was now about being big. And most of the guys that are powerlifters, if you were to go to a car, <laughs> if you go to a competition, it always used to be. This goes back to how things have changed over the years. Back in the uh, early 20s, you know, 2000, 2001, et cetera, most guys had 
probably facial hair about the length I've got now. So probably like a two or a three. Most guys had tattoos and most guys had um, a shaved head. Right. That was kind of the, it was just strange how you could, you know, you can, you can pretty much, you remember at school, you could look at someone and be like, Chav, grungy person, loner, <laughs> boffin. And this is really, you know, like I said, I will say it how it is. That's what you did when you were a kid. You knew what your class was, right? Just when we had working middle and upper classes, from what someone wears to how someone talks. And it's the same with the sport. You can see it when you walk around, uh, around Blue Water, around a shopping centre. You see someone wearing a, a Suzuki blue leather jacket. You're like, biker, don't you? You know, yeah. or you see someone wearing a black leather jacket with tassels. You'd be like, I bet he's got Harley Davidson, you know? And it's, it's just how it is. And that's basically what the image was with powerlifting. It was much more about just being massive, mm. being big, being strong. Um, but then... The, the, the environment there was, was so welcoming. You walk into a powerlifting competition and you just feel threatened straight away. To the point my wife, I don't think of any of the latter competitions where things started to get important, where there was money up for grabs or sponsorship, <clears throat> I never let her come because it was they're always in horrible, aggressive places. However, you start warming up and you start talking to people and my greatest friends that will be friends of mine forever were my competitors back in the day. Um, so again, it's that kind of, there's the image, but actually scratch the surface and you find that there's these lovely people underneath, you know, that are really there for you. So, um, so yeah, I've kind of gone around a bit of a circle there, I know, but um, in answer to your initial question, Katie, has things changed over the years? Yeah, they have in, in many ways, but I think also the root of our, um, of our desires, of what it is we want to achieve, so on and so forth, are still very, very much impacted on what we are subject to seeing with our eyes um, on one level. And I think in terms of who we want to be as a human being in the nuts and bolts and the morals of ourselves comes through from what we hear, what we see, you know, and what we observe in other capacities. Do you think, just listening to the start of your story there, where you said you were 13 12 13 years old and your mum used to take you down to the pool oh. and with the stopwatch um and you get out and you do it again and you saw yourself improving do you think that's where you got that sort of you know passion for competing where it was kind of like I must do better I must better myself you know that that do you think it was ingrained in you from that young age I didn't realize this was going to be a therapy session for me <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, you can cry and get the tissues out. It's fine. It's safe. It's safe space. It's a safe space, yeah. It's only thousands of people listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. like it's um, Do you know what? I've never really considered that. I've only ever really looked back at that and just thought, what a bitch. You know, what? who makes their... Um, I did warn you that I try not to swear. That one slipped off, sorry. Um, <laughs> you're going to get so many emails of complaint. That young man that came on, what a horrible chap. It's um, not BBC points of view. It's fine. You crack on. Not yet. <laughs> Digital footprints. Remember what we were saying about bum? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's got people's ears twitched up. Anyone that's out on their dog walk listening, have just said, did he just say bums? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say this, guys. We're going to put the link on this article. You have to go and look at yeah. Alex's profile no, on Instagram. And then you have to look at his wife, who he works with, and you've got to look for the bum photo. <laughs> There we are. It's fine. Everybody, we've got it out in the open now. Broken the ice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just making a mental note. I'm just writing down your surname. I'm going to go <laughs> your Instagram account and on my podcast. There's no, there's no bums on my profile. It's fine. I can Photoshop the best of them. Don't worry about that. We'll have Kim Kardashian under your end. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I never, like I said, I never really thought about it like that. You know, obviously, I know I've pretty much dug my own hole to answer that question as a yes by what I said earlier on about what we're subject to as a kiddie um so yeah do you know what probably uh probably but again I always remember looking back at that and just thinking I just stunk of chlorine all day every day because I was swimming in the morning um well say with her she couldn't even swim you know she was just sitting there like eating polos and watching me go up and down um but then I used to swim for the school so some lunch times a couple of lunch times a week I'd be in there for that then I'd be back 
swimming for the for the for the leisure center um a couple of nights a week for Kent a couple of times that times a week so it would literally be monday to friday would be swimming at least you know most days twice sometimes even three times a day mm-hmm. um and then um at the weekends the mates because the leisure center we used to go to had diving boards wave machines flumes rapids you know you name it they'd be like right um this weekend um get, get a fiver off your mum we're gonna go oh shit really <laughs> and we'd be up there again um and it was fun because it was a different capacity but yeah i suppose really um that must be part of it but also going back to relationships with parents and this is something that I don't hide. Um, you know, I, I never want my parents to be offended by this, but um, I also live by the rule of just say how it is. I think we all do this. We look at our parents <clears throat> and relatives and we look at the skills and the fantastic things that they gave us um, and be grateful for the opportunities that they gave us, whether that was knowing or unknowing to them. Um, and we take those qualities and we plug them into ourselves. And we're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to be like in regards to that quality. Um, for me, I actually look back quite a lot and I'm like, there is no way that I am going to be like this particular piece of her, of him, of those people. And, um, you know, again, you know, my family... <clears throat> not even just my family. I think everybody's got a glass ceiling, right? And it's a choice whether or not you decide to smash that glass ceiling and the one after it and the one after it and the one after it, or whether you live under that initial glass ceiling. And those glass ceilings are kind of constructed based on, again, like you're a kid, the things that you perceive to be achievable. And, um, and, and you believe that because, you know, Granddad was a stock taker. My nan was a cook. So what did my mum grow up thinking was achievable? That's kind of the level that she was going to go to. You know, she she never probably thought that it was possible that she could become the prime minister. When, why not? Absolutely, why not? There is no reason why, if she put the, the stepping stones in place to make that happen, that she couldn't have run for that. Absolutely no reason why not whatsoever. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd argue that point with anybody, anywhere in the world, you know, because we've seen people come from... Yeah nothing to absolute massive stardom and there are oodles of people mm. that you can use for examples for that have you heard and- of the experiment with the mouse <clears throat> so there was an experiment stay with me um so there's an experiment with a mouse and what they found is that if they put a, a, a picture of an owl or a threat behind the mouse it would run quite fast if you put a cheese the other end he ran faster <laughs> so what they're kind of saying is that you will run quicker and strive harder for what you're aiming for rather than running away from something you're scared of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. Want. yeah no, I, I, I've heard things similar, but I haven't heard it put into that context before. But it's very, very true. Um, and yeah, so I, I looked at, you know, <clears throat> I was kind of brought up with, oh, if you work hard at school, Alex, you know, one day you could be the manager of that leisure centre, you know, and you'd be like, oh, right, okay. And that's kind of the ethos, the mentality that was kind of put into me. And I always remember having this expression, I I don't know where it came from, of, uh, and this is before I started training, I always remember saying to my mum, you know, if you can grab your own foot and you can kick yourself up your own ass, you can do anything. And that was followed by, if you want to become a helicopter pilot, what's stopping you? And, you know, the, the answers I'll get back is, oh, it's very expensive. You know, to to have a helicopter lesson. Now I know this because I I, I haven't qualified, but I started the, the wheels in motion, or that's probably the wrong analogy, the propellers in motion. See what I did there? Um, and um, <clears throat> and I know that, that they are expensive. You know, you're, you're looking three figures upwards for one lesson, right? But that still doesn't mean you can't do it. You just need to break that down. Like, well, okay, so if I want to have one lesson what do I need to earn to be able to make that happen? And then, it, so if I need to earn that, what do I need to be able to have academically or behind me to be able to achieve the job to earn that? And if I want to achieve that, what is it I need to do that? And break it right down until you are at the millisecond in front of you of what your next choice is. And if you can think and break stuff down like that, nothing is ever going to stop you. Like I said, I don't know where this kind of phrase came that I live my life by of, if you can grab your own foot, 
So not someone else's foot. You grab your foot, you kick yourself in your ass and make it happen um, and do it in a logical kind of order. Um, anything's achievable. And, um, you know, I saw people, you can see that they're hearing you, but they're not listening. You know, it goes in one ear and then literally just, just drops out the other ear. Like they're glazed over. There's nothing there. And I, you know, very quickly decided that I was going to choose to manage the people around me. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, a lot of people, like I said earlier on, I encourage people to just get rid of the news, get rid of social media. Obviously, you can't just go, right, Nan, you're out. You, know, <laughs> you don't think on the same level as me, but you can certainly manage the energy levels of those people that are around you um, by not allowing yourself to give too much where I, I call it if you've gone from my social media you see a fantastic post called emotional vampires where people basically thrive off of your enthusiasm they get their teeth into you they drain all your motivation out and then there becomes two people that are emotional vampires before you know it your whole family's down your whole workforce is down your whole friendship zone uh, uh, you know is, is down so I start to manage people and I, I distance people, I distance conversations. I don't allow myself to go into too deep into conversations to be able to keep myself at my level. And weight training taught me that <clears throat> I couldn't just bench, bench press 50 kilos. I'm only ever going to do 60 if I try 60. And if I get to 60, I'm only going to get to 70 if I try 70. Um, you know, and that went through to, to having, you know, records that mm. remained unbroken for five, six years because I kept busting through that glass ceiling. Mm. And, you know, it, a lot of obviously the conversations that I have with people that are on my program and, and people like yourselves, <clears throat> I refer back to obviously weight training because it, it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about. It's right there in front of my mind. Every time I give an example, I resort to that. Um, but the same things occur with every single teeny tiny piece of your life mm. you know if you don't go for that job interview what makes you think you're ever going to be in that job role mm. and if you don't have the confidence to do that job role then break it down what is it that mm. you need to do to become confident do you need to practice talking in the mirror do you need to talk to somebody else in another organization that's doing that job do you need to practice how you speak, how you talk? You know, is your CV good enough? Is your CV got spelling mistakes in it? Have you checked it? Has someone else checked it? Blah, 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 all the way through and just come mm. up with as, as many little micro steps. An analogy that I use all the time with people that join the program or, or on the fence of joining the program is I use this fast flowing river as an example. And you need to get to the other side. There's no boat. <clears throat> so you're going to run, you're going to try and jump it. River's too big. You can't jump that in one go. And the river's so fast flowing, if you get anywhere above your waist in that, you're swept away. So the only thing we can do is look for stepping stones. And I listened to your podcast, um, the one in January, all about um, New Year's resolutions and what your take is and so on and so forth. And one of you used, obviously, the smart goal setting thing, you know, specific, blah, 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 blah. And um, I was like, this is brilliant. You know, obviously, we, we, we hear this uh, kind of, um, is it an anagram? Is that what you call it? I think so. Acronym. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we hear like these <clears throat> acronyms. If you didn't know, Vicky, they're called acronyms. Um, gotcha. we, um, we hear these kind of thrown around loosely all over the place. And I think a lot of people just, it just whoosh goes over your head. And we see that when we're, we're educating or training employees in the, in the workplace that you, you know, that's just generally how these trainings are kind of pumped out because they've done a mass at Tesco's, they've done a mass at Sainsbury's, they've done a mass at Amazon. And most people are just like, whatever, whatever I've got to do to get my paycheck. But we can make it relatable and put it into someone's life, like I've just done about mm. becoming that helicopter pilot, break things down. So when we're crossing that river, if we can just put a stepping stone that you don't even have to, you've got, a millimetre step, it's a piece of piss, you know, it's not a problem, mm. and so on and so forth, before you know it, you are on the other side of the river and you've got proven track evidence that of what it is you've achieved to get there. Um, and I use this with absolutely everything in my life. I stop, I reflect, uh, not even on a daily basis anymore. It's probably more like on an hourly basis. What have I achieved in the last hour? Um, what were the three biggest wins? What were the three biggest lessons? And what is my goal for the next hour? And I do this throughout the day. And this is what 
by no means my profession to be you know an amazingly successful person but if you actually listen to interviews with Dwayne the Rock Johnson with Arnold Schwarzenegger with Richard Branson with Alan Sugar um with Bill Gates you know effectively this is what they're doing you know so when it comes to being in control I know obviously the kind of the subject here is much more about um, mental health etc you know be <clears throat> aware that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Now, whether that's whether you choose to go down a medication route or whether you choose to go down a holistic route or whatever route it is you want to go down, if you can break it down, if you can say, right, you know, I need to go to the doctor, if that's the, the, the route you'd like to go down, well, the first step is being able to get dressed because a lot of people that I work with mm. have can't even do a Zoom call with me because they can't... It, even begin to comprehend that they can speak face to face with someone so the first thing they've got to do is actually put clothes on it might be then to brush their teeth the next step is to open the front door and you can see where i'm going with this it's mm. it's basically getting to the appointment it's then having the conversation to be able to get to this moment where mm. if it's the choice that you choose to, to go for medication that you can start taking it and you can start to get some clarity to get rid of the fog that's in front of you um and obviously the same applies if you choose to go down the holistic approach which you know if, if you're asking for my opinion is is a is a preferred choice for me um that there's also the same stepping stones to go down. We just need to discover what it is by taking very, very teeny, tiny, minuscule steps forwards that start with something as simple as getting dressed. It starts as simple as listening to mm. one of these podcasts and then maybe reaching out to one of you guys, just sending a very small message with the one word, help, you know? Because I know that you two would, 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 would bounce off that, boom, immediately, and you'd be there of genuine help. Um, so yeah, that's um, probably completely the wrong answer to what your question was. Not at all. Uh, not at all. Then, sorry. <laughs> no, not. It's all interesting stuff, and you know, I think one of the things that does stand out for me is, you know, you are a role model, and the things that you're saying. And I know you said you hate the, the word mindset and how it's banded around, but your growth yeah. mindset, how you look at a goal, how you aim towards it, just how you bounce back, and how you navigate obstacles it's inspiring um so thank you so much for sharing because i just yeah you, you've blown us away i think well you've blown me away with it she's asleep she's asleep she's asleep yeah <laughs> katie wake up <laughs> no I, I was just thinking about how you i mean you do what you do and I, I'm, I'm very aware of the amount of time we spent talking to you and i you know we, i could carry on talking for hours yeah um but you know in terms of the way that you work with people and I think on a mental and physical level what you've said and obviously the programs that you run about this transformation you know there are so many people that are overweight or even they might not be that overweight but they look at themselves you know I I am one of these people and I look at myself and think I, I hate that you know and it's it's that mindset of thinking, oh my God, well, I want to lose all this weight so I feel better about myself. But actually that seems so big and so like almost unachievable at that point that when you say, actually, right, what's the first step? What is that first thing that's stopping you mentally and physically? What do we need to do to get you moving? And I think mentally and physically, that's such a massive message because so many people just think, well, I've got depression. What the hell am I supposed to do? You know, and they, and they can't get past that to think I will get better. It's almost like, oh, my God, this is just too big for me to deal with. And, you know, I think that's that's such a massive message to take away from this. And I, I mm. can't thank you enough for your time. It's been it's been yeah. enlightening. It's been emotional. Hey, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> who thought this who thought this was going to be so deep when we started just before the recording and you started talking about glitter poo who thought we were going to get to this level of depth yeah i mean um who would think that i could make your ham look like harry potter in a banana hammock who knew who knew and i do you know what people will get in touch with you because they do want that <laughs> Before you, uh, before you sign off, I'd just like to point out to people that the conversation, there needs to be, you need to start doing a bloopers reel, right, at the end of every month, right, because if, if you had have recorded our five-minute conversation before 
this uh, record button was hit because there's going to be a couple of things out. I think people are going to be, what on earth are these mental people talking? <laughs> so I just said ham, Harry Potter and banana hammock because I was challenged to say that in conversation so that you guys listening would be like, what? what? And yes, we were talking about... Um, you can get tablets to take that makes your poo sparkle and so on and so forth. And I just, just like to point out, that. you bought, you brought all of that up. You did bring that up. Yeah. You brought all of this to the table. Did. Well, we'll never know <laughs> the truth of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, look, that's, I think that's a really good way to kind of summarize, isn't it? Is that, you know, the way I look at things, no matter how old you are or young you are, you, I'm, gonna, this is, I'm not going to go morbid, right? But you never know how long you've got. I did a post the other day, and this is a really good thing for me to finish off with, right? You have a one in 400, scientists have proven this, right? You have a one in 400 trillion chances of being on this planet. One in 400 trillion. And, you know, I think when you just stop and just let that sink in for a minute, you think, that's a big number, right? Now I can barely count to 10. And that's so 400 trillion is a massive number. And, you know, you've got all these opportunities around you. And I think sometimes when people can just tune in and listen to something like this, uh, three nutcases, just having a chat and realize, you know, that you can smile. We've talked quite deeply about mental health today and about, you know, what, why people choose to look a certain way or to think a certain way and to buy certain things, you know, and life's bigger than that, you know? Mm -hmm. So my advice to everybody is just fucking relax, you know, and just, just take a deep breath and ask yourself what actually matters. You know, people join my program initially, probably because they want to lose weight, they want to be healthier, so on and so forth. And at the end, before I even, if, I, if I'm going to offer someone a place, I don't take on anybody, um, I summarise it. And I say, so if we could summarise what it is you want to achieve from life, mm. we could probably just put one word on it, which is happiness. And I think if we can just look at making, cutting the shit out, which for me is social media, is the, is the, the emotional vampires that we spoke about, you know, all of these things in life, but what value do you get from it? Let's mm. cut the crap. Start listening to stuff like this on Spotify. Listen to all of your other podcasts that you do, because, you know, even if 99% of it, you're just like, this is just killing time for me. There's going to be some words some phrases that just penetrate into your brain, into your mind, into your being, and start to change how you think, feel, act, react mm. to everything in life. So um, peace out. Oh, thank you so <laughs> much, you. Alex. And yeah, I mean, we, we haven't had returning guests yet because we're still brand spanking new, but we'd be honoured if you come back in the future and, and I know tell you're us what you're up to. Because I promised you I wouldn't swear, and I've just got the <laughs> bomb, and um, you probably dropped like 20% of your, of your listeners because of my <laughs> potty mouth. Not at all, not at all. But anyway, but look, no. it's, been great, it's been great coming on. I really appreciate you getting in touch. And um, I'll send you both through some uh, some unicorn glitter poo capsules. Um, Fantastic. Look forward to it. Thank you. Well, thank you, so everyone, much. for listening. And Katie? Yeah. I mean, keep your eyes peeled for even more episodes that we've got coming soon. We've got more strong tea with more guests. And we have quick brews episodes, which just Vicky and I nattering about any old rubbish and exciting stuff too. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Get subscribing to the channel on Spotify or Apple Music and we will speak to you soon.